More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Hank Haney Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio. My guest today is one of the foremost writers in the world of golf, senior writer for Golf Digest and GolfDigest.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Rudy Writer. And he is Matt Rudy, and he joins us now on the Hank Haney Podcast. Always good to talk to Matt Rudy, my good friend from Golf Digest here on the Hank Haney Podcast. And Matt, uh, a new format for me on the podcast, and uh, things have changed for you with Golf Digest as well. Uh, catch me up. How you doing, my friend? I tell you, it's been a busy summer, and that doesn't even count having uh, three girls, 10 and under. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's busy all, and it's, it's a whole separate category. But uh, Golf Digest, in, in May, we became a part of the Discovery television world. And uh, that's been a, an exciting thing for a lot of reasons. It's nice to have some some uh, cash infusion and some you know, some the ability to look look into the future and and do some video and do some TV and 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 do it with a partner that wants to spend money and make make cool stuff. And that hadn't really been the case for a few years with Condé Nast. So you know, to, just to have some running room to do some new things and and try some new formats. I'm 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 excited about that. It's keeping me busy and keeping me going in and in and out of New York City from from here in Connecticut, which is a different dynamic. But uh, so far, so good. So Discovery is a, uh, a big new player in in, in golf. Uh, really infusing a lot of uh, I, I think uh, well uh, you know hope that things are going to get even better with the with the game of golf. And obviously, they have a relationship with 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 Tiger Woods. Uh, they've got a lot of big plans, don't they? I think there are a lot of big uh, premium video plans. There's a lot of big TV plans. Uh, and and what's exciting from my perspective is that um, there, there are a lot of really experienced video and television and content producers in the company, but, but a lot of people who have open minds about how that content gets produced, especially for golf. So um, if, if, you know, coming with ideas and coming with uh, some, some different approaches and, and, and different ways to experiment to produce content. That's something that's going to be rewarded. And I'm excited about that where we're, you're not just kind of fitting into a, a pattern or fitting into a box. You can, you can come up with some new ideas and try some new things and, and see how it catches on. And, and just in general, you and I have talked about this for years and years. I think that's terrific for the game of golf in general, you know, t- being open to new ideas, trying things different ways, trying Trying to attract you know some some different players and some different fans of the game from wherever we can find them. Well, I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. Golf needs it. I mean, I I think golf's in a in a good place, but it it could always uh, it could always get better. And uh, you know, I mean, the, the hopes are that uh, you know things things will improve. I mean, 
You and I have, have done so many things over the years, instruction-wise. Uh, you, you've always written my articles for, for Golf Digest, done an, an incredible job. You and I have worked on books together. We've got a, a new one coming out, How to Play Better Golf Today, Lessons of a Lifetime by Hank Haney. And, uh, of course, you were my ghostwriter there. Matt, you've uh, written 33 instructional books. Oh my! How do you how do you keep all that uh, track in your mind? I mean, uh, you got you got so many different theories going on there. Well, I can tell you, I just got my uh, handicap card from the Connecticut, you know, from the, for the the Connecticut Golf Association. And if you looked in my index, my index would tell you that I don't keep it straight in my mind because when, whenever I stand over the ball, I have so many conflicting. Uh, ideas and theories about how it's supposed to go that, uh, I, I think what I need is a unified method, but, uh, but the, it's, it's been, it's been really fun over the course of doing this 25 years now, uh, seeing all different kinds of teachers and different kinds of philosophies and, and, you know, talking about things in, in such a wide spectrum, you know, wh whether that's doing a book with somebody like Dave Stockton, for example, you know, old school guy with some, with, with, you know, just an amazing way with people. And you contrast that with someone like my good friend, Mike Jacobs, we just wrote a textbook on the kind of the science of, of, of the game, which could, you know, is on the opposite end of that spectrum. And to be able to, to do that and to do everything in between, like, you know, doing the projects that you and I have done over the years about the yips or about, you know, about this, you know, the, or kind of this Harvey Penick style book coming out now, um, I think my favorite part about this is meeting so many different kinds of teachers and, 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 and people with different opinions and, and seeing so many people that have a passion about teaching the game and, and doing it in different ways. It, it's, it's, it's never boring. I just wish it translated into a more single digit golf for me. The, the first book I ever did was with Johnny Miller and I went from my index. I think my index was six something at the time and, I'm trickling up into the low teens now. So maybe that part of it hasn't gone well, but the rest of it has been pretty exciting. So who's the uh, most complicated teacher you've ever done a book with? Well, there's, there's two answers to that question. Uh, I, I think uh, there are teachers that, that have a really sophisticated view of what's happening in the swing based on data and science and research. But, but when you watch them give a lesson, the lesson doesn't appear complicated you know it, the the science is a, is the operating system it's not so much evident to the student so um I, my, my buddy mike jacobs is a good example if you read the elements of the swing book that we did together um that that is an extremely complicated book and um if you have a physics degree it's going to help you understand what's going on but that doesn't translate into the lesson. He's not beating people over the head with slide rules and formulas and things like that. So um, I, I think what's, what's terrific about golf instruction now is that the, the information we have that, you know, you, you go back decades and you go back centuries, you know, so much, so much of it has been proven or disproven in, in the dirt, so to speak, with watching thousands of balls. And, 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 and that certainly is an important part of, developing the art of teaching, you know, how to, in, how to interact with people, how to get people to learn things and how to feel good about the, the, the thing they're doing. But we can couple that art with solid information about what really happens. The, you know, Mike's, Mike's program that he's developed is with a really, really important and smart professor from Lafayette College. It actually tells you which body segments are producing power in the in the swing and, and at what relationship and i mean they can do everything from get people to hit less slices to predict how nfl quarterbacks are going to get hurt or how to you know how to you know, optimize a, a a prosthetic leg for someone who lost a limb in a in a in a in a, in a war scenario so that information can can send people in the right direction but it doesn't take the place of the art of communicating with people and helping them feel better about what they're doing. What, uh, when you talk about, you know, making things complicated, the other end of the spectrum is making things simple. What you've written mm -hmm. 33 golf books. I mean, what, sure. uh, what instructors come to mind that keep it the most simple? Well, I know there's one that's, I know he's one of your favorites. He's certainly one of mine. Randy Smith is, 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 is right up there when it comes to to taking complicated things and and making them digestible for for people and 
And honestly, I think you and I have been doing things in Golf Digest and doing books for 20 years. And, and the great allure that, that uh, I think for the average golfer, people, they love the material that you produce because it, it's, it's always been a, a combination of the, the, the tour proven element, you know, whether it's working with Omira or working with Tiger, you know, there's stuff that's been proven at the highest levels, but it's just as applicable for the average player as it is for the best players in the world. And I think when you can combine those two things, uh, that's a, that's a very attractive combination. Dave Stockton is another guy that comes to mind, another guy with a lot of tour proven credentials, so to speak. And I think what makes you know, Dave so approachable for average people is that, uh, you know, he, 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 as much as it's possible for a, a guy who's won two majors to put himself in your shoes, you know, he's, he's saying things like that, which is, you know, here's the reality of how you step into a bunker shot. And let me just make these, help you make these adjustments that suit your body and get, get your technique and get the club working for you instead of against you. And I, and I think that the 20 handicappers out there are just yearning for that kind of information, which is give me the, give me the shortest, quickest path to, to hit some acceptable shots and, and, and get the ball moving in the right direction. And then we can fine tune it as we go. So by the way, you, you led me into this, but I didn't ask the question. What, what, what is your handicap right now? <laughs> I, Where are you at? I'm uh I'm going to, I'll just, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a parameter. I'm somewhere between uh, 12 and a half and 15 and a half. That's my index. So. All right. Um, well, yeah, I, I, I've, I've played with you. So I, I know you're winning money at that. <laughs> you, they, they gotta, they gotta be calling you a thief at that, at that handicap. I mean, oh, that's a tough, it's a tough, I, I play at Brooklawn country club here in Connecticut and it's a beautiful old 1895 golf course. The, the senior women's open is going to be there next year. And the problem with the, that index is when I go and play with my friends and they, they know where I work and they know what I do. So when I come at that number, there's always sort of a mixture of, well, I mean, is this really, is this really going to be what you play to today? But after I hit another one into the, into the practice area on the left side of the first tee, then they, you know, I think they get, they get a little bit of hope. <laughs> everybody hits, everybody hits a big miss on occasion, don't they? <laughs> You'll have to come out and fix that big miss for me. That'd be a, I mean, it, it might take, it might take 36 holes though. How's the pickleball game, by the way? My pickleball game is super strong and I I've done a super aggressive training regimen with a, with a sports movement doctor in my town here in Connecticut over the last nine weeks. I'm down almost 30 pounds. Oh my gosh. And, good for you. Yeah. And, and, and the whole goal of it, uh, our uh, paddle tennis st- season starts the first week of October and paddle and, and pickleball are, are very close cousins. And I've been doing a lot of pickleball. Pickleball is more of a summer sport around here, obviously, because we have snow and winter, but so, so pickleball has been what I've been doing in the summer as a part of that training to get ready to play, you know, to play paddle starting in the fall. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, wheeling my racket the next time I see you. I think uh, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting, uh, an interesting clash of styles. Okay. So the, 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 uh, give us some, uh, little insight into this, uh, ability to drop 30 pounds. I mean, uh, what, what, <laughs> uh, what's the key there? Well, the first key is to be six, six and have a lot of pounds to drop. <laughs> <laughs> you can get the, you can get the, the, the meter running a little faster that way. But, um, I've done a combination of nutrition and uh, high inter- high intensity interval training, and um, and the list of food that I can eat is pretty short. And uh, but the, I think the increase in strength has increased my base metabolic rate. I think I'm just burning more calories sitting around, and then um, just the, the the interval training for someone who doesn't like to, you know pick himself up, pick himself up off the ground and, and, and throw himself down on the ground over and over. That's been a big challenge, but the, the difference in just in a couple <laughs> is that, months, is that the workout routine? <laughs> it's part of it. But my, my wife, my wife is extremely fit. You know, she does bar and she does uh, high yoga. She does everything. She plays tennis three times a week. And I think she's gotten far more enjoyment and entertainment out of seeing me come back from these workouts all beat up than anything else but my clothes all my clothes fit differently and i'm, and I'm looking forward to to uh you know surprising some people on the on the 
on the paddle courts this morning. All right. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm proud of you, bud. That's, uh, that's, that's some good work. You're listening to the Hank Haney Podcast. Let's take a brief pause to hear from our sponsors. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair. It's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia, and you get me, George Camel. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. <laughs> You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, you and I have talked to instruction over the years. I mean, all the time. I mean, whenever we get together, we're doing something for, you know, Golf Digest and, or working on a book or something like that. But the, one of the, the things that we always enjoy is, is talking about the world of golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't had a chance to catch up with you in a while. Of course, I, you know, I've, I've been on a little uh, hiatus here, but I'm back with this, <laughs> uh, with this, with this podcast, which, by the way, is, is exciting for me. I'm really uh, Excited to be on iHeartRadio doing the podcast. Different, little different uh, format. Although we're we're going to be posting on a on a daily basis, so it's a daily podcast Monday through Friday. May mix in some uh, Saturdays and Sundays for major championships, and uh, you know it, it, it's a, a little longer format. So you know we're not restricted with all these you know uh, you know breaks and and everything, and we can kind of you know talk things out a little bit more. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'd like to say I'm, I'm, uh, coming out hot. You know, that was my, one of my, in my promos, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm back and I'm coming out hot. Um, so I thought, well, I gotta have Matt Rudy on because, uh, he likes to tell it like it is too, but let, let's, let's do a little, little catch up on, on the, the, the season here. I got a bunch of uh, subjects for you. Sure. Uh, what what do you think what do you think about the schedule and and how 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 that all worked out the the four majors getting done uh so early i mean i i think we 
I don't, I'm not sure exactly where you were on this. I was, I liked it when, you know, I, I heard about it. now, you know, I'm not so sure the season kind of got done a little early, although I'm not saying it's, it was bad. Um, you know, done before Labor Day. I always, I kind of liked that idea too. It didn't really do anything. It seems like for the television ratings or whatever they were hoping to accomplish there. Uh, g- give me your, give me your thoughts on the schedule. Well, I think the, the TV ratings are always going to be dependent on the star power of the of the people involved, and and I think on that score, the tour is entering a particularly strong phase because if Tiger can win majors like he did at Augusta, I mean that's that's about the fastest cure for whatever ails TV golf. It's it's the most famous guy winning the most the most famous tournament. Yeah, but 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 when if you can mix that you know, late phase, late career tiger with some of these exciting young players that are coming and, and exciting young players that are doing it different ways. You know, Matt Wolf swings in a very different, his style is very different. And Victor Hovland's style is very different. And, 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 and if you can incorporate some colorful characters, even, even if you get quote unquote villains like Bryson DeChambeau or like Matt Kuchar, I mean, I never thought I'd say the word villain and Matt Kuchar together, but it seems to be what it's going to be. But if you can add some villains and some, some Phil Mickelson types and, and Tiger Woods types and, and, and cast professional golf so that there are characters to root for and to root against. I, I don't think the schedule stuff is even all that important. You know, the, the, the specifics of when things happen are not, are not particularly important. I think they're still casting around trying to come up with the right combination that gets the best players engaged the most. And um, the realities about the season are that, you just can't get the the best 20 or 25 players in the world to play much more than low twenties or mid twenties in tournaments. So the question then becomes, how do you, how do you space those tournaments to to get the most players to play at the same time and adding in the Olympic piece to it? That's another challenge that, that, that needed to be over overcome. And, and I think it was a good, this was a good intermediate measure this past season. And, uh, I think it caused players to try to figure out how to uh, space space events and to pace themselves and 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 to be and and to peak at the right time. And and when you look at the the players that won majors and you looked at look at some of the performances we saw, uh, I, I think the product was pretty good. Yeah. I, I think the you come down the stretch of the U.S. Open, it was terrific to watch. I think you 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 saw some fantastic things at the Masters, obviously, and 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 the the stars that are being born in golf i think i think that's a that's a strength for the for the sport and uh, i you could quibble i mean we could talk again about us open setups and that's something you and i've talked about for decades now literally and uh you could talk about you know if it's if it's helpful for the sport if brooks kapka says that he doesn't really practice or try very hard at at non at non-majors you know is, is that something that he's saying to make a statement or to to be controversial or is that something he really which one do you think it is uh, i think it's a little both because yeah. the the reality for any top tier tour player and rory is a perfect example rory's never going to need to make another dollar in his life and to be honest he could retire tomorrow and be in the hall of fame so if, if you're Rory and you're deciding how to motivate yourself for the next 10 plus years, the, the reality is going to be that uh, some combination of major championships or Ryder cups or you know, some, some prestige victory, those are going to be the primary ways those players motivate themselves. And, and they could tell you the truth and say that, or they could tell you some other version of the truth that includes, you know, I can't wait for the, you know, the Greenbrier classic, or I can't wait for the, you know, the, you know, you know, pick, you know, pick your secondary event. There's a place for the secondary events because you need to get ready for the important ones. Just like there's a, there's a place for a, a, a first week of August baseball series between the Tigers and the Indians. Uh, you know, you, you want to go see the stars play. You want to get your, your chance to see local PJ tour action. But the, the reality for the tour is what are you doing to get ready for the handful of most important events? And, and uh, what are you doing to pick players for the most important team events? And I think that's, that's the fact. So, so what you do to package that, uh, that's the genius that the NFL has managed to, to capture over the last 30, 40 years, which is 
make all those things seem important and even make the preseason seem important because it leads to what, you know, it leads to the playoff push. Who who do you think did a good job uh, getting ready for this? Obviously, Kepka had an incredible year with his uh, major championship performances, uh, winning the PGA, second mm-hmm. at, at Augusta. Uh, what was he second? The U.S. Open, fourth at the, mm-hmm. at the uh, Open Championship. Absolutely incredible. So you can't you can't fault his his preparation or peeking for those those terms. Tiger, you know, wins the at Augusta, and then you know, seemingly pretty much just was on a uh, you know celebration tour the rest of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and didn't didn't seem ready to play. Maybe it was a knee injury. Who knows? But but didn't seem ready to play. I mean, who who do you think did, did a good job? Uh, and and who didn't do a good job with with you know organizing their schedule outside of those two guys and and do, and do you agree with me on those two guys? I absolutely agree. Uh, and and your 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 Kepka example is an interesting one because I think he he revealed a little bit of something when he said in one of those pre tournament press conferences that winning majors to him was easier than winning regular tour events because. There's an awful lot of players, whether it's the nerves or the change in the, in the conditions or you know, if the fact that the setups are more difficult, essentially play themselves out of majors before they even start. And and I think the, the, the players that understand that dynamic are the ones that prepare for majors the best. And I, and I, and I guarantee you, if, and, and you know, I should probably just let you tell the story, but when Tiger was peak Tiger, I'm sure he felt like majors were easier to win than winning a players championship or winning a, you know, the, the Buick open at a place where the, you know, the greens are perfect and everybody's making birdies. Uh, I just think the the mentality of winning them, there are players that don't have that mentality yet, whether it's because they haven't done it or because they think it's harder or that's it's nerve wracking. Um, I think the players that accept that part of it and understand that, that burning yourself out by hitting a lot of balls or traveling far, they're just doing things that suck your mental energy. Uh, it, even if you aren't doing specific things like playing in events uh, to get ready, you could be getting ready by preserving the, that, that mental stamina. And, and I think, I think Rory is actually in the process of learning how to do that better. I, I don't think he had the results obviously that he wanted uh, in, in this, this season that just passed, but I think the putting for him has started to come around a little bit. And I think if you look at the, the, uh, the strokes gain stats. Uh, he had one of the all-time seasons last year, and and he's gaining on it when it comes to the perspective of that, that goes with preparing for majors. Um, that's a guy. If you're if you're picking your first team all stars in terms of talent, he's got to be on that. Those four or five guys on the first team. Yeah. Well, you know, you you, you mentioned Rory and. Uh... You know, saying that maybe he didn't have the season that that he would have would have liked, and, I, and and certainly you're referring to his his major championship record. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he did win three times uh, a Players Canadian the Tour Championship, but his 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 majors. I mean, twenty first at the Masters, ninth at the U.S. Open, eighth at the PGA, and then the big one where you know he was basically on his home course and he he missed the cut at the Open Championship. I mean, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, that would have to disappoint him. It's been, it's been, you know, what has it been? How many years since he's won a major championship? Uh, at well, least yeah, five. He, or yeah, he made right? a, what he did. I mean, at the at the open, he he did a tiger. You know, tiger. There were plenty of rounds you and I were walking when it happened, where tiger would just seemingly get up on the first tee and forget everything he had just done for the last hour and a half, and yeah. hit this great crazy shot off the world. And that's what Rory did. He made a triple on the first hole. And then he was playing the whole first two rounds in chase mode, trying to trying to get to the weekend. And I think that what what Kepka has so eloquently said in a lot of these press conferences is straight out of the Tiger Woods playbook, which is if I just keep myself out of the ditch and do the, you know do the things that I know how to do and not take crazy risks and and make everybody else make the mistakes, I'm good enough that I'm going to win a lot of tournaments just doing that. And and that's what he's been doing. He's he's he hasn't had the drive it in the ditch moment, with the exception of the wedge shot he hit in the amen corner. If if Brooks Kepka hits a pitching wedge on the green, we probably aren't even talking about Tiger Woods right now. And and that's a that's an important uh, for for if you're a fan, the 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 thread, the thin line between you know making that swing and and not. I mean that that did totally change the 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 talking points for the entire season. And I think that's what 
makes golf so great. I mean, just think about Tom Watson. If Tom Watson you know, hits this perfect iron shot at the British Open as a senior citizen, and if he if he makes par on that 18th hole and wins the British Open, think of the the change in the narrative thread compared to what we had, what we got with Stuart Sink. I mean, it it, it fundamentally changed the conversation, and uh, I, I think that is what part of what makes our sport so great. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I look back at the Masters and of course, you know, it was an incredible win. It was incredible for Tiger. It's incredible for the game of golf. Uh, but I look at that tournament as uh, one that Brooks Kepka just totally just, I mean, he just pissed it away. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, in one, his that mind, one he's swing. got, he, he, yeah, he, that well, one swing. not just one swing. I mean, Matt, he, he had five three putts mm-hmm. and three penalty shots. And you know how I always talk about, mm-hmm. you know, penalty shots, three putts and two chips. So that's the key. And it, that number needs to be somewhere around two at the end of the tournament. Uh, Tiger had no penalty shots. Well, you know, he had the spit out on 13 where he hooked it in there and then it came back out. So that that saved him the two penalty shots. He had two three putts. But Brooks Kepka, five three putts, three penalty shots, loses the Masters by one shot. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, to me, uh, you know, it was a great win by Tiger. I'm not taking anything away from it. But that was Brooks Kepka's tournament. Uh, there's no there's, there's no two ways about, about that. Well, and, and, uh, and, 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 and Tiger walked in and, and, and said, and, and for Tiger to say this out loud is, is a testament. Um, he said that when he looked at the board on Sunday, the only name he was looking for was Brooks's name. So that's a that that tells you that the way that guy closes tournaments and that guy closes majors has everybody's attention, including the ultimate alpha major championship Sunday competitor guy. So um, any obviously anybody can make those mistakes, and and you know Tiger didn't close the deal at the British a couple of years ago, and and it's it's almost impossible to close the deal every time. We just happen to get lucky to see a guy do it more often than anyone else, and and to be honest, it's kind of spoiled us. Uh, and, and I especially think that's true when we think about players like, like Rory or players like Jordan Spieth. These are players who are first ballot Hall of Famers right now, if they stop right now. And yeah. when you go through a lull like they've gone through and you don't win majors, all of a sudden people start asking what's wrong. Should you change your coach? You know, should you do something different? And the reality is they aren't experiencing anything different than Phil Mickelson's experience throughout his career or any else or you know, any of these other players who have a, 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 a lot of wins and a lot of majors, but not up in the Tiger Woods stratosphere. The reality for, for the entire history of golf is that with the exception of Tiger and Jack, nobody wins majors at a, at a sustained clip throughout their whole career. You just don't, they're hard to win. So uh, I think, if we start to view those players with a, with that historical lens and say, Hey, not winning one for two or three years, that's, that's just part of the normal ebb and flow of a, of a mortal's uh, career. I think the perspective, your perspective about what they're doing and where, where they stand right now kind of changes. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. Matt Rudy's with me here on the Hank Andy podcast from Matt Rudy from golf digest and golf digest.com. And uh, we're going to take a little break from our, Hear from our sponsors, and uh, when we come back, uh, Matt, I gotta we gotta get into this uh, Player of the Year conversation. Uh, I mean, I, I, I as soon as they announced that uh, Roy McIlroy had won the PGA Tour Player of the Year, of course Brooks Kepka won the PGA uh, Player of the Year. I thought, oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk to Matt about this. <laughs> so we'll do that when we, when we come back. Of course, of course, Matt Rudy is the president, unofficial president of the uh, Brooks Kepka fan club and has <laughs> been for a long time. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Junie. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair. It's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia, and you get me, George Camel. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. (laughs) You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Matt, uh, this player of the year thing, let's get into this a little bit. I've been dying to talk to you about this. Oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, <laughs> how in the world? I mean, it, it, I, I've never seen anything like it. Of course, uh, Brooks Kepka wins the, the PGA of America player of the year. Uh, Kepka won, you know, three times. He won the, the CJ Cup. He, that was a fall event. You know, in this wraparound season, he wins the PGA. He wins the World Golf Championship, the FedEx uh, St. Jude. Uh, he He's top four in all four majors, which is, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I already talked about how, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda. I understand shoulda, woulda, coulda. But, I mean, he just, the Masters was his. It turned out to be Tigers, but it was his. Uh, he wins the PGA. Which is, to, first off, it's it's not only is it back to back PJs he wins, Matt, but it's 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 back to back PJs after a, a heartbreak at the Masters. So to come back to win a major after heartbreak and the one before that is even more difficult. Winning a back to back is even more. I mean, it's just like an incredible feat. Uh, he he finishes second at the U.S. Open. And and did not certainly didn't do anything to give that away. Gary Woodland just played played fantastic, and then and then fourth at the Open Championship. Uh, Rory wins wins three times, uh, but he he wins the Players, he wins the Canadian Open, which you know I mean is is whatever. I mean I I'd put that on the same par as the CJ Cup with with Kepka. And he wins the Tour Championship, which, I mean, okay, that's a big tournament, but but come on. I mean, 30 people are playing in that tournament. You know, you got, you got to be 29 guys. Uh, but Rory wins the PGA Tour uh, Player of the Year. I, just, the, I mean, it, how do you explain this to me? Well, I, 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 it was going to be hard for someone to win the FedEx Cup, which is the Tour promotes as their – Super Bowl or whatever you want to call it, you know, their player, you know, the, essentially winning the FedEx Cup implies that you're the PGA Tour Player of the Year. 
And there are certainly some circumstances that could cause someone else to, to be an obvious choice. If, you know, if Tiger had won the Masters and won some other major. But, so you think but, that's what it is? It's like the, the FedEx Cup is like, you know, that's their deal. So if you win sure. that, you're... Well, I think I think if you're asking me if it's close, you know, if, if there's two players who have close resumes, it wasn't a, close. But but if the tour, if the, if the tour, <laughs> and Brooks Koepka finished top top well, four yeah, in all I, four hey, majors, there's no and I, he won a major. Uh, Roy like, McIlroy didn't win a major. Like it wasn't even said, close. Like you said, you are talking to one of the the first members of the Brooks Koepka fan club. I was pushing the guy for a Ryder Cup spot before even he thought he should be on the Ryder Cup team. But but. With in the tour's view, if you win the FedEx Cup and you win the Tour Championship and um, and you win three events just like another guy did, and those resumes in their eyes are close, then if you're at you know if if you were asking them in the in the corporate headquarters down there, should the guy who won the the tour's season long points race get the nod? Sure. Uh, I think you could in the in the Rory category, you could also put that he had one of the three or four best strokes gain seasons in the history of the tour. I mean, that's, that's worth something. Um, would Rory say that his year was a success? I don't think he would. I don't think he would. I think there's, Rory, no, there's I think no chance he would. He, he yeah, said so, he was, he said he was surprised, Matt, we've had this discussion how many times with, you know, how many regular PJ tour events would a player trade for a major? All of them. All of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could ask a guy who has 20 wins. I think you could ask Steve Stricker, would he trade his career for one major? He, I, I think he'd say yes. Well, there's some number. It's certainly more than yeah. two. I can promise you that. I mean, it's certainly. just you know. I mean, I don't know. You know, maybe Stricker would take twenty over one. But 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 it. it, it I promise you. You, you know, ten to one for sure. Everybody would go for. Um, I, I just, it's it just, it's amazing to me. It really is. I mean, it's crazy. There's an interesting dynamic uh, when you look at it and, and let's take it at face value. And the tour says we've, we sent ballots out to players and the players vote. And that's where it comes from. And let's, if we say that that's, you know, if we believe that and then it, it well, let, let's, let's, let's talk about that mm -hmm. for, 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 sorry. Cause you kept, mm -hmm. you, you keep saying that, you know, the tour, this, the tour, that, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, of course they don't announce a vote. Uh, you know, are you, are you insinuating you, you, you think there's something fishy there? I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think necessarily there's anything fishy, but it would, it would go a long way to, to Why show don't they it, announce the vote? That's that's exactly it. It would go a long way, much like the when the talking about um, the the drug policy, for example, or you know, if the process was transparent. It's not that I don't take the tour at their word, but if if the results, if if the process was transparent, I don't take them at their word. By the way. <laughs> but, because but, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, at, I don't, I don't understand what the deal. I mean, I, I, I get you know if it was transparent what you're saying, but but what's the, what's the reasoning for it not to be transparent, Matt? I don't know that they're hugely transparent about anything. Well, I mean, they're they're not transparent. They're not transparent. They're not transparent about uh, drug suspensions and you know things like that. And and that's a that's a procedural decision that they make. Yeah, but just because you're not, you don't want to be transparent about you know, suspensions and drug testing and, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, why does that mean you don't want to be transparent about anything, even a, a, a vote, just a, just a, a you know, a, a well, player of the year vote? It makes no sense. It also could well be that there hasn't been the opportunity recently for there to be a lot of controversy about who won it or didn't win it. And the, and the marketer side of me, thinks it's probably not so bad to have people arguing about whether the guy should have won it or not. I think the fact that you and That's I are still point. talking about it is, is proof that maybe that is what they want. I think they feel good about who won it. And, and, and if you take it at face value and say that it's who the players picked, um, they're, they're the ones who saw everybody go out there week in and week out and do it or not do it. Uh, I don't think some controversy is necessarily a bad thing when it comes to the awards, as long as the people, that we're arguing about are in the arena, you know, they're in the, I guess, in the conversation. If, if some totally random third party player who hadn't done much got the, got the vote, 
do we, do we, I think that's a different conversation. In in my opinion, you can have a reasonable argument for either Rory or Brooks. I, I would have voted for Brooks, but if someone told me I, that I don't even. I, 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 well, what's I, I don't I don't get the argument. I mean, you're being way too political there. I, 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 I <laughs> seriously. I mean, what's the argument? We just we just talked about the fact that if you you know you wouldn't trade twenty regular tour events, or you'd trade you know twenty regular tournaments in a, in a heartbeat for a major, or you wouldn't trade a major for twenty tour events. I, I mean, and and yet. Brooks Kepka won the major. <laughs> he didn't just win the major, man. Well, where, he finished uh, second put- twice and fourth once. It's not like he won. It's not like he won the PGA and missed three cuts in the other majors. Uh, I mean, he where, had where the most put- incredible year. Where do you put the the Players Championship? N- nowhere in that in that conversation. Ba- barely. Do you, barely. Do you put the player? I mean, I, I barely. To be honest with you, I mean, I know they want to put it somewhere, but I barely put it. I mean, it's a big tournament. I mean, I'll give it the fifth biggest tournament, but I, but I, I I'm not going to put the Players Championship like head and shoulders above a World Golf Championship event. I don't. I don't put the Players Championship on the same line as a major no but i no put it up but i put but i put it above all of the other ones uh, because I, I, okay the, but the but the how simple, far above the, a world golf championship well, event not not miles ahead the simple fact about the players championship is that it's the it's the one event where the field is not made up to some degree uh with i mean use the masters you've got you've got some great former champions that are not particularly competitive anymore you've got some amateurs that are not going to be particularly competitive and in the in the players championship, there's none of that. It's they're all full time, competitive PGA Tour World Tour players, and and I think that is reflected in the the. I, I think I the, the quality of that you field. Know, the PGA a, here's a, the thing. It's a, it's a big deal. Here, here, winning that tournament is a, is a big deal. Yeah, and it's a bigger deal. It's a bigger deal than winning. Jason Day won uh, that tournament with hitting irons the whole time. <laughs> no, he did. I, you, well, if we're going to talk about players winning tournaments with irons, there's been a lot of really good players who've won a lot of tournaments hitting irons or 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 or, or, or doing it at venues that are not particularly challenging. I, I don't think that's the testament to. I, I think the, the, it's a far bigger deal to win a tournament and a field full of really good players all playing at the peak of their powers than it is what particular shots they have to hit in order to win that tournament. Um, I, I think the, the, I'm certainly not going to come down on Brandel Chambly's side. He and I have gone head to head a little bit on social media lately about other things, but he, he swears that the, the players championship is the, is, you know, should, it should be a major and you should, you should downgrade one of the other ones, but I won't go that far, but I think you can make a reasonable case that Rory should be in the conversation. Which ones he want to, which ones he want to downgrade? I don't. I don't. I don't want to put words in his mouth. Okay. You should have him on yeah, and have him oh, say cool. it. But 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 the but the you can you can make a reasonable case for Rory. Certainly, he should be he should be the second line on the ballot. If Brooks is going to be the first line on the ballot, you can make a case that Rory should be the second line on the ballot. Wow. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, I, I oh, there's no doubt Rory should have been second. There's no doubt about that. But Kepka, just I mean, you you look at his major championship record. Of course, this is the third time this is this has happened where you've had a split decision, so to speak, mm-hmm. with the PGA and the PGA Tour Player of the Year. Uh, you know, it, it, and it's it's only the third time, and it, it's it's not something that you know is it happens a lot. But I just I don't understand why they don't tell you what the vote was. I, I mean, I don't, I don't get well, that part. I, I think part of it, I, I think controversy sells. Okay. And, I, and I'll ask, I'll ask you this question. If you take the, if you take the vote at face value, what do you think that says about how other tour players view each one of those players? Whether, whether you're talking about popularity or you're talking about the way they assess a season. And do you think that, that Brooks talking about how he doesn't focus as much on regular events does that get, cause him some problems in, when it comes to a vote, as opposed to it being some sort of scientific measurement of whose season was better or not? I, I don't think there's any doubt it had to it had to hurt him. I mean, I it, it had to something had to hurt him. Obviously, th- this has uh, got to be somewhat of a popularity contest. And, and by the way, 
I'm a I'm a huge fan of Roy McRoy. I thought Rory McRoy had a great year. I thought Rory McRoy was incredible with his improvement on his putting. I give a, I give Brad Faxon uh, the putting whisper, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a, a credit for, for, for certainly some of that. Uh, I think Brad did a, a great job helping Rory, maybe just helping him simplify things or whatever. But but I, I give give Brad a, a lot of credit. I'm a huge Rory McIlroy fan. I thought Rory had a great year. I mean, I, I, I agree with, with, you know, your premise of that there's only four of these majors. They just kind of happen. And, you know, I mean, it you got to be right at a certain week. It's not easy. There, you know, guys go for years without winning them, even, even great players. I, I, I get all that. Um, clearly, none of these guys are Tiger Woods or Jack Nicklaus, so, so you, you can't compare them that way. Uh, Rory's attitude, I thought, was unbelievable this year. I mean, uh, just a, a, a great attitude uh, through the ups and downs. He didn't have many downs because his attitude was was just so rock solid. So, I mean, I I, I, I love what Rory McIlroy did this year, and I love Rory McIlroy for, for the future. And the fact that he didn't do well in the majors, not compared to Kepka, I don't, I don't really, you know, hold it against the year that he had but but brooks kepka finished top four in all four majors including winning one of them in two seconds i mean that you that to me just trumps everything and it makes me think that uh this was a popularity vote well by definition it's a popularity vote because the players are voting and they can they can choose Whatever criteria mean is meaningful to them, or no criteria, they could say, "Well, I just don't like Brooks Kepka, so I'm not going to vote for him." I mean, that's 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 the reality of a presidential election. It's the reality of a city council election. You know, all, all that. And um, I, I guess what I would ask you is, if you had a Cy Young vote, would you have uh, voted for Jacob Degrom to win the Cy Young with a losing record? Uh, I mean, he he had one of the most dominant pitching seasons in baseball history and he had a losing record because the team around him wasn't any good. Mm. Uh, and I think well, where, where we've come with analytics is the, is the ability to measure somebody's season. And yes, and, and, and I'm already anticipating the texts and, and, and tweets and emails I'm going to get where people say that results matter. Cause obviously, obviously they do. And the, and the person who actually gets to take the home, the trophy that does matter. But I, I think with modern, analytics we can look behind the numbers and say all right what you know what did the player do to contribute to the to the wins and losses and i think i or i should say i want to think that part of that is what happened here when you know, and, and players have some some sophistication when it comes to to viewing those statistics to to see just what kind of season somebody had and weighing that in addition to the trophies and, and not instead of hmm. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, so it's hard for me to explain it. I, I just, you know, I look back and I remember when Marco Mira won in 1998. Uh, of course, we, we don't know what the vote was then either, but Mark won two majors that year and it, it trumped uh, the season that David Duvall had when he had the, uh, you know, four uh, tour wins. I, I guess it's a different situation. He won two but boy, oh boy! I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it it sure reeks to me of just like a something's fishy, or uh, definitely a popularity vote. I I mean, you, you you're out on tour. You I mean, is is Kepka that unpopular with players? Oh, I don't think he's any more or less unpopular. I think I think Tiger is a good parallel. Uh, I think there are players. If you took peak Tiger Woods, there are players that were afraid of Tiger. There were players that liked him. There were players that respected him. There were players that didn't like him all along that spectrum. And I don't think it had much to do with his personality. I think it had to do with what he was doing on the golf course. And I, and I think that's where Brooks Kepka is. There are players out there that are intimidated by him and there are players out there that like him and don't like him and, and, and everywhere in between. And I think the way Brooks Kepka deals with things in general, he's, he's a, uh, straightforward, blunt guy, and I don't—I don't mean that as an insult. I think it's great. I think you ask Brooks Kepka a question, and he tells you the answer. He seems like a likable guy. Think, you think that it's just that uh, straightforward thing that people don't like about him, or what? What that says that he doesn't well, practice? I, you think they don't like that? What is it? What What is there not to like about Brooks Kepka? I, I believe that that 
Brooks has a chip on his shoulder about the respect he gets. Right. And it's a way, and it's a way he motivates himself to play better, you know, to prove people wrong. And, 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 and I think it's a, an effective tool that he uses. And, uh, I think the, one of the unintended and happy consequences of that is that it's made him kind of this renegade player and, and I mean, renegade might not even be the right word, but, but the edge that he has because of it and the plain spokenness, I think it's almost become part of the, the character that he's playing and it's gotten him more attention and it's gotten him a little more buzz. And all those things are important in the world, the sports world we live in when it comes to endorsements when it comes to being noticed and it comes to, you know, all the things that come, all the, all the things that go with being a, a top tier professional athlete, you know, I'm sure they're having meetings and agents and marketing people about, about how to capitalize on, on this success that he's having and, and him having this edge is more marketable than him mm. just quietly coming and going and never talking to anybody. So um, I think Brooks Kepka, when, 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 I think when he, when he directly confronted Bryson DeSambo and said, if you got any problem, you want to, you, you come talk to me. That that's who he is. He's, right. not, he's a guy that's not, he's not a guy that's intimidated. He's not a guy that goes out and beats his chest and is, is hollering at anybody else, but he's the guy when you go to the bar, you know, the, the, the big guy who doesn't talk, you know, it doesn't get himself in, in, in the middle of all the shouting, but it's just waiting for you to do what you need to do. That's the guy you should be worried about. And I, and I think that's the person Brooks Kepka is. And it's part of why he's an assassin when it comes to majors, because physically he's, he's, he's dominant and he doesn't show fear. He doesn't show weakness. And, and he is a guy who's confident in himself. And those are qualities that are very dif- difficult to counter. And in some, and, and the way tr- traditionally in sports, the way, it's the way some competitors have tried to counter that. It's, it's been to, to, to ruffle someone, you know, to try to get them off their game or, 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 or rattle them or aggravate them to try to push them off their spot. And, and he doesn't get pushed off his spot. And in a sport where so many of the players have a lot of matching skills, if you can be the person that doesn't get pushed off their spot, that's a huge advantage. And he's that guy right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he seems like a nice guy to me. I don't, you know, I, I don't, you, you've been around him. You, I mean, I, but that, but that doesn't have any, he, uh, yes, he is a nice guy, but that doesn't have anything to do with what happens when they go and play. You, you've been around a lot of professional athletes in your life. No, I know, but this, I'm just, this, I'm just talking about this popularity vote thing. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I, I don't, I, you're, you're, I don't. you're also comparing him to one of the, the, the genuinely most likable yeah, people on true. any tour. That's a good point. Rory's the most popular. Yeah. And, and it's not like we're comparing him to some middle of the road guy that not a lot of players know. Rory is genuinely popular with a lot of people. So that's probably, uh, there are a lot, a lot of players that are going to come in on the wrong side of a popularity contest with Rory McIlroy. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right, Matt. Well, you know, it gave us something good to talk about. So. <laughs> I, 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 I love, and you know what? I'm sure it won't be uh, Kepka's uh, last shot at a player of the year. And I, I now he's got something. He's got something to to wear people out over next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably it works in his favor. He gets to <laughs> gets to wear that uh, chip on his shoulder, and uh, he'll be uh, he'll be coming out strong as soon as those majors start. I have I have no doubt about it. Good stuff. I want I want him, I want him to do one of those video shoots with Nicholas next year when he wins it, and when Jack you know, surprises him and hands him the trophy. I want him to just look at the trophy. That was so stupid. Seriously, come on. Was that stupid or what? That's so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Just slowly push it off the table and walk away. I mean, first off, anything with Jack is great. Okay. (laughs) But I mean, does Rory really like uh, the goosebump Dale and the, I mean, come on. I mean, he, he he didn't know what they're getting ready to give him. The first thing my dad said was if, 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 if you knew you were going to go have lunch with Jack Nicholas, you better tuck your shirt in. <laughs> that was the first thing I there heard about. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you got you have to wear a, a, a collared shirt and a, yeah. uh, like you got to do a lot of stuff there. But I mean, hey, I'd do anything to, to have uh, lunch with Jack Nicholas. That's for sure. Anyway, uh, Matt, good stuff. Uh, always good to talk to you. Great to have you on the Hank Any podcast and uh, look forward to doing it more in the, in the, in the future, my friend. Matt yeah. Rudy. Thank you, sir. Good to talk to you. Thanks for tuning into the Hank Haney Podcast. Listen, follow, rate, and share on iTunes, on the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can make your thoughts and questions heard by emailing the show at hankhaneygoff at outlook.com 
And you can also tweet me directly by sending your tweets to at Hank Haney on Twitter. Hank Haney Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.